Welcome to this episode of the Cyber Guy Podcast. I'm your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. And in this episode, I will talk with cybersecurity paradigm pioneer, retired FBI special agent, international speaker, and best-selling author Scott Agamom on how you as an individual can help protect yourself from becoming the next cyber victim. But before I get to Scott, a couple things, a couple news items to, to, to mention that I saw this week that I thought were interesting that would be of interest to, to most folks and how to keep themselves protected. The first one is titled, uh, I got this from CNET a couple days ago. It's called Identity Thefts Raking in Billions with Your Data, Even as Breaches Fell in 2020. So the good news from this article is that the number of data breaches in 2020 fell from previous years, which is great. The problem is, but that doesn't mean that uh, hackers aren't using your information to make tons of money. According to a report released Thursday by the Identity Theft Research Center, hackers and identity thieves have stolen passwords and personal information to profit in new ways from your information. Uh, in this article written by Laura Hatula, H-A-U-T-L-A, I want to give her proper attribution here. Um, basically, you know, it says, she says, after you file away a data breach notification, and we've all gotten those where our information on some website we had logged into or something we were, we were a member of, someone had got that information and the company was letting us know that, that someone had stolen your information. Remember target target was one of the big ones that happened six years ago. But once you filed that note of breach data breach notification away, you'll remain at risk of becoming a victim of identity theft or a ransomware attack for a long time to come. Uh, And she recommends that now is as good a time as ever to check your credit reports, health insurance records, and bank accounts for anything suspicious. And if you think you may be the victim of identity theft, contact the Federal Trade Commission and the Identity Theft Resource Center for help. So Scott and I, uh, when we have our interview, I recorded a little earlier, we'll talk a little bit about this and how to protect yourself. But there's certain things you can and can't do to to keep your information protected. But the, the fact is, your information is out there. There's a lot of information out there, and you have to stay on top of your your valuable accounts, your investment accounts, your bank accounts. You know, go to your bank account daily and just make sure the the balance is where it needs to be. Go to your investment accounts. Make sure that there's been no odd trades or anything like that. Because one of the biggest biggest issues, and largely this occurs in the business world, but there's a, there's an equivalent to it in the in the private world is is business email compromise where someone compromises an email and you know gets someone to to wire transfer money they're not supposed to but this is another article i saw that basically says microsoft 365 has become a haven for business email compromise innovation this is from threat post is the name of the website and the author of this was uh tara seals but essentially there are two fresh business email compromise tactics that have emerged uh, that involved the manipulation of Microsoft 365 automated email responses in order to evade email security filters. In one case, scammers are targeting victims by redirecting legitimate out-of-office replies from an employee to the bad guys. And in the other, the read receipts are manipulated. Uh, so in both styles, has been seen in the United States in December, where autoresponders were more prevalent during the holiday vacation. And I'm trying to see if there's a... There's an example of um, any information here, but, you know, so essentially I'm trying to see if there's a a monetary bit here, but so she says these campaigns geared toward invoice and payment fraud were particularly virulent, up 155% year in uh, year on, on date. So 
again, essentially these bad guys are figuring out ways to get into legitimate emails and getting companies to wire transfer money they're not supposed to. And this goes hand in hand with the identity theft uh, article I, I just read where the bad guys are not figuring out ways to hack into accounts um, or use brute force attacks into networks. They are using information readily available on the dark web and other locations to use that, in, that valid information to get access to personal accounts to do the bad things. So if you have not subscribed to haveibeenpwned.com, you should look into that because what it'll do if you put in your email address, it'll tell you how many, um, uh, how many data breaches your email account has been compromised. And so I'm going to go to it right now. Have I been pwned.com and pwned is P W N E D. I typed that wrong. It's good on me I, that I didn't have this uh, already up before we got here. So, all right. So have I been pwned.com. And if I put in my email address, I can find out how many sites my information has been compromised on. Not, not, because of anything I did, because of the bad things that those particular entities did. So I've, I've been pwned in 13 data breaches. Um, so that means, for example, there's a website called Apollo. I don't even remember what that does. Um, so somehow I was on there, but uh, they got my email address, job titles, stuff like that. Um, creative. Creative was a uh, – I used to own some creative – software it was it was old audio software from a long long time ago uh but they got my email address and ip address password usernames dropbox i was in that one gatehub uh home chef my wife and i had done some you know send send me food and i'll cook it based on your instructions so they got hacked so they got some of my information there uh, and under armor which is the my fitness pal hack which if you're using my fitness pal congratulations in 2018 your email address your password and your username were all compromised and how this becomes an issue as I've said many times, you've heard me say it many times, you're probably sick of me saying it, you can probably repeat it along with me, that people use the same password in a host of different sites, and as a result, it's easy for bad guys to reuse those passwords to get into other sites you may have access to. So check out Have I Been Pwned, see where your information is lost, keep track of your bank accounts. I mean, one thing I recommended some folks, if you are not planning to buy a car or a house in the near future, freeze your credit at all of your credit uh, institutions. I'm not credit. The credit bureaus, the Experian, TransUnion, and uh, I'm missing the other one. Experian, TransUnion. I'm sure I and Equifax, 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 Experian, TransUnion. Go on there and just freeze your credit. That way, if an identity theft gets thief gets your information, he cannot um, create new credit in your name. So. If you don't need it, lock it. And then when you need it because you need to buy a house or a car or whatever, you go in and you unlock it. It's really quite easy. Kind of it's a lot of what LifeLock does for you. Not that I'm saying you shouldn't use LifeLock because you can. If, 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 if you're, you're basically paying for the expediency of LifeLock to, to kind of do all that stuff for you. One other thing I wanted to talk about, and you can respond back to me in the email if you're interested. And again, I should note, I, I appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast. I know sometimes they're long. Hopefully they're, they're usually interesting and provide you information that's, that you wouldn't necessarily have if you weren't paying attention to the cybersecurity world all the time. But I was thinking of, in addition to some of these 45-minute, hour-long podcasts I do talking to uh, folks within the cybersecurity world, doing more regular 
quick little hitters with news like I'm doing now. So this has been seven minutes now. So I would do little, you know, eight to 12 minute recaps of the cybersecurity news of the day. That way you don't have to go look for it up yourself and I could focus on the highlights. If that's something you think is interesting, let me know. It might be something I put together and start dropping here and there. So uh, it'd be a quick listen. Um, but something I'm thinking of doing. If you think that sounds great, let me know, Darren at thecyberguy.com. If you don't really care, you won't let me know anyway, and then that's all good too. I'm just here to help inform folks as to what the cybersecurity world looks like, how to protect yourself, and how not to be a victim. And in furtherance of that, I'm going to go talk to my friend Scott, and we'll have a little discussion on the paradigm shift into cybersecurity. Joining me for the podcast for the third time, retired FBI special agent, international speaker and best-selling author Scott Angenbaum coming to me live from Franklin, Tennessee. Scott, welcome. Darren, thank you again. This is the third time. I hate to think I'm taking over your show, but you know, as we were having this conversation this morning, I was like, Darren, I got a lot on my mind with everything going on in the world about cybercrime. Just figured it would be a good opportunity for me and you to have this conversation and kind of share some of the stuff with our listeners, you know, unless we went through it all this morning. Yeah, I think if I if I labeled you correctly, I called you a paradigm pioneer, meaning that uh, you are looking to change the way we think about and deal with cybersecurity in general. Because obviously, whatever we've done for the last, let's see, 1988, the Morris worm, so what's that, 88 to now is 32 years. For the last 32 years, clearly what we're doing is not exactly working because cyber criminals are not exactly having a rough time of it, if you will. Well, and I, and I was just going through uh, a couple of my notes, and I was looking at a presentation that I did in 2001, and I was looking at the points, and this is when I was doing a lot of PowerPoints back in the day, and I remember there were just a couple of key points, and the first one that I said was, there are no boundaries in cyberspace, making it very difficult for the cyber criminals to get caught. This is 2001. We were talking about attribution, very, very difficult. It's hard enough to prove behind the key, who's behind the keyboard when the criminal's located in the U.S. And I know, Darren, you've dealt with a lot of uh, different international groups. It's hard enough to figure out the IP address, but how can you ever figure out who's sitting behind the keyboard in that foreign country? How difficult is that? Oh, it's nearly impossible unless they give you their IP address and say, here's, here's what the keyboard looks like that I'm, I'm working from. I'll give you an example. When we did the big IPR takedown in 2006, the second one I did, we, one of the guys we look, were looking for was um, German. He was a leader of a, of a wares group. And so we had an address for the IP address from which he was downloading and uploading all of his stuff. They go and they bust into this apartment in this place in Germany. And it turned out he was stealing Wi-Fi from the old couple that lived in the apartment. So, so. <laughs> I've seen that a lot here, but okay. So we have attribution is hard to prove. There are no boundaries in cyberspace. And w- what else were we talking about in 2001, which was almost 20 years ago, was we had a lack of experienced investigators and prosecutors, because when I was working traditional criminal cases back in the 90s, it was almost like a cookbook. There was somebody who you could go to who did the case before you who would say, hey, guy, all you need to do is this, this and this. 
And think about how much, and you had prosecutors who were experienced in this. But Darren, haven't we seen people coming in and leaving federal law enforcement to go to the private sector in the past decade? Oh, all the time. Happens all the time because they can take their skills and go and apply them at, at commercial companies. And the last one was, and I love this one, it said pretty soon everybody's going to have their own email accounts. <laughs> and that's 20 years ago. So here it is. It's 20 years has, have, have gone by. And I really, you know, the warning signs were there. We were talking about this in 2001. When I met you in 2005, we were having these discussions and a lot of people weren't taking it seriously. I remember in 2005 at headquarters being part of the Hurricane Katrina Task Force, which was the first time that we've actually saw an organized effort at phishing, targeting individuals after the hurricane uh, because all the phony Red Cross sites have come up. And where are we today? 2021, 20, 16 years later, we're still dealing with targeted spear phished emails, but they're coming from the same groups, but the groups have morphed over the years, but they're just taking advantage. We're dealing with COVID-19 emails. We're dealing with political unrest emails. I guess this week we're going to all be getting emails about, well, last year I remember talking about getting free Super Bowl tickets, but now I don't even think people want to go to this, this Super Bowl. What's your predictions? What else do you think we're going to start seeing as the themes of the spearfishes in the future? Well, I'm sure there'll be tax-oriented ones as April comes around because everybody's got to file their taxes, plus there'll be new tax rules. Uh, there'll, there'll be the whole, um, like with the COVID-19, if they do another financial aid package, they'll be, hey, put your inter- put, send us your, your um, Social Security number and your other information. We'll tell you when you're getting your stimulus check, things like that, stimulus check type uh, spearfish emails, just off the top of my head. Yeah. And, you know, here it is. Uh, I released my book two years ago. I had my little anniversary on LinkedIn. It's been three years since I retired from the FBI. And the cyber criminals are still out there. They're still targeting the most vulnerable segments of our society. We hear so much about enterprise level protection that's being offered at large companies, but it's not being offered for the individuals and the end users. And this is where we have to shift our mindset is on how we approach this. There was just a story in the news the other day uh, in Tennessee in Maryville, uh, which is right outside of Knoxville. This woman receives an email from her antivirus company. Okay. And what are the things we always say? You're not going to get an email from Boris Badnoff at cybercriminal.org saying, click on this malicious file. It's an email that made its way through her spam filter, her endpoint protection, because it was probably a brand new email that was created. And it said, hey, we want to let you know that you have just been billed $299.99 for an upgrade for your antivirus product. Now, Darren, think about what would our parents do if they got an email 
saying that we that they owed money for something they didn't purchase. Well, my mother would call me and say, "Hey, I got this email. What should I do?" That would that's from my wow. point. But most folks would would either respond to the email, call the number, or do whatever the whatever the action was on the email itself. Yeah. No, really, and we should give out your email for everyone's parents here to handle these. Yeah, Darren at thecyberguy.com. Yeah, because we know how much you love to do that. Oh, education's all all about education. Well, (laughs) it says here, because you know what? We're all training people. Don't click click on links in email. Mm -hmm. So what do they do? Call the 1-800 number in email. She picks up the phone. She calls the 1-800 number, speaks to a very, very polite individual. And this individual says to her, Oh, yes, we've just billed you $299.99. I'm sorry, did you not want this special upgraded product? Because we can refund you the money. And at this point, what happens? Look how it puts her mind at ease. Oh, we made a mistake. And they said to her next, all you need to do is, uh, hey, we're going to give you some software to download and we're going to give you a form to fill out. So she gets the form, they give her access, they give her one of these things to click on, they get access to the computer, a screen pops up and says, please enter your, uh, your refund amount, but upgrade it to the, you know, bring it up to 300 even because we can't do it. So we'll give you back 300 even. And on the bottom, it says we will not provide a refund greater than $25,000. So she types in 300 and then all of a sudden two extra zeros come up at the end and it says 30,000 and the guy, and all of a sudden it goes, boom, transaction went through your refund of $25,000 should be in the bank. 30,000. No, 25. For whatever reason, it was 25. Oh, okay. I got you. All right. Sorry. But just remember the email on the bottom, it said, you cannot get a refund. Oh, right, right. Over $25,000. So she gets that, and now she's all confused. And the guy on the other end says, you just took $25,000 from our company. You need to give it back. She's like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take it. He goes, okay, uh, let me just pull up a withdrawal form so we can take that money out of your bank account. Because, you know, uh, you shouldn't have. Now, the guy is blaming the woman for entering in a higher refund. So this poor woman is all frazzled and everything. The guy puts everything in. He takes control over her printer. He prints up the bank withdrawal form of the wire transfer request and says, bring this to your bank tomorrow. But don't tell him it's for a refund or anything because you screwed up. Uh-huh. Now, what part of the world do you think this bad guy is from? Do you think the guy she's talking to is in the United States? Uh, no. Okay. So let's just say in this situation, I'm going to say three places, either Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. West Africa, or, or potentially India. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, so I'm thinking now, okay, now if she has a wire transfer form to take $25,000 out of her bank account and send to a bank in Romania. Do you think the bank's going to question her? Yes. So what if she, what, what have the cyber criminals been doing? They've been sending it to U S banks. Yeah. And how, do, and how are they able to get it to the U S banks? What do they do? They compromise somebody else's account or set up legitimate accounts themselves. We're using yeah, mules or, or whatever. Or they're using a mule. Yeah. 
or whatnot. So she sends the $25,000 out. She goes through. The money goes out of her account. The bad guy calls her back up and says, hey, I just want to let you know the money didn't go through. Uh, I need you to take that money out of your bank account in the amount of in cash and buy, and send it in gift cards. Mm-hmm. Now, the gift cards mm-hmm. should ring a bell for us, but it's not ringing a bell and a warning sign for the elderly individuals. And at this point, she withdraws it. She puts the money into gift cards. She even buys some on her American Express. She gives it to the bad guy, thinking she's giving it to the company. And by the time everything is said and done, she's out a ton of cash. Because this woman is living off of Social Security. But for whatever reason, she has $30,000 in her saving in her bank account that belonged to a life insurance policy. Mm. I, I don't know. How do you think they knew that? Or do you think that was a coincidence? I don't know. I'm thinking, I, I don't know either, but I'm thinking maybe they compromised her email account because she didn't have two-factor authentication. That could be it. So after everything was all said and done, she noticed they compromised her cameras and this lady is out every single dime to her name. And she reported it to the local police department who says investigation is underway. What's your thoughts about this, Derek? Well, my thoughts is she's not going to get her money back. They're not going to investigate or find anyone. Um, even if they do forensics on her computer, they're not going to get enough evidence to go actually get attribution to anybody to do any arrest. And in the meantime, these guys are going to hammer several dozen other more people for the same amount of money. Absolutely. So let's go back what I talk about all the time. And I drone on and on and on about the four truths to cybersecurity. The first one is nobody ever expects to be a victim. Do you think this woman expected to be a cybercrime victim? Uh, no. The truth number two, when the bad guys steal your stuff, and in this case, it's your money, the chances of law enforcement getting returning your money is very challenging. True or false? True. The chances of law enforcement putting the bad guys in jail, again, I hate to say it, slim to none. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Correct. Truth number four. This could have been prevented easily without spending money or being technical. True. And I think you can say that for a majority of cybercrime instances that particularly impact individuals. Yeah. And I just read that and it just kind of broke my heart, Darren. And this is really what's been on my mind a lot lately. The cybercrime victimizations continue and continue and we're spending money on products, and we think that these products are going to save us. The woman didn't say this, but I'm sure she probably would say, I have LifeLock. LifeLock is going to save me. Well, LifeLock is going to keep your credit secure, but it's not going to protect your bank account information. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have antivirus. There was no malware on this computer. We have to start changing. We have to continue to think how do we improve our mindset? How do we do this? And that's really what drives me crazy every day is I'm always trying to create new ways to educate people to really get this message out. And we're not saying don't spend money on products and services. There really needs to be a full effort on 
changing the mindset of an individual. Darren, you ran a cyber squad from a pretty big division. What were you seeing back, you know, how many years ago was that? That was about 10 years ago, right? Uh, 12, yeah, 2009, 2011. The cases that you were dealing with then, how could a majority of those have been prevented? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a lady walk in um, and she walked, she was a, an older Hispanic lady didn't, didn't speak a lot of English and she came in with a neighbor. Actually the neighbor brought her to the office and I talked to them. And so basically she had gotten an email saying, congratulations, you have won the, some sweepstakes. It was some sweepstakes that she'd won. And, you know, in order to, to qualify or, or get the money from the sweepstakes provided to her, she needed to provide $4,995 to such and such a website in order to get the money. And, you know, once she, she did that, and then they said, well, you know, in order for us to handle whatever, you need to send us more money. Ultimately, she sent $200,000 to somebody before someone who was talking to her realized she got scammed and said, we need to go to the FBI. But the problem was that by the time she even came to us, not that we probably would have got the money back anyway, it was months after she had sent all this money out. So the trail was cold. The guys were on to somebody else, and there was no way to provide that resolution. And but like you're saying, antivirus didn't protect from that. You know, she's, I mean, she got a spam email, maybe might have been able to protect from it, but there's ways around spam filters that are very simple. Um, and, you know, there's just not enough education of individuals out there. It's not easy to find. Let's just say that. It's not, if you wanted to educate yourself to become, how to prevent yourself from being a cyber victim, that particular educational area is not easy to find online, at least that I'm aware of. Not that I've done a lot of searching, but you're not going to become well, a PhD in cybersecurity anyhow online to protect yourself or your family. Well, you, you know, it's almost like you go to YouTube. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of hours. Sure. But where yes. do you start? Yeah. What do you where What do you do? I just also had a situation recently where I had my neighbor came over to me who read my book or he claimed he read my book. And he calls me he, two houses down, retired guy, or I thought he was retired because he spends a lot of time with me at the pool over this summer. <laughs> and um, that's what you retired he, guys do. Spend time at the pool. Is that the thing? Yes, you do? yes we okay. do. And, uh, and, but I'm usually doing writing and research. And uh, so he comes, he, he calls me up and he says, Hey, listen, I have a problem. I can tell on his voice. It's not the typical problem of someone who just happens to maybe have credit card fraud. He said, Scott, I own this real estate development company. And I just said, let me guess. They took over your email or they took over somebody else's email and they, and they instructed you to wire transfer money to the wrong account. And he said to me, how did you guess? And I said, how much money are you out? And he said, $73,000. $73,000 because what ended up happening, what did we discover? They were able to compromise his email account because he did not have two factor authentication on his business email account. The bad guys read all of his emails. They were monitoring it every day. They saw that he sold some property and was going to get a distribution in the amount of $75,000 was going to come into his account. So what ended up happening? They knew that. So they're in his account. 
they send an email to his financial guy. We'll call him Joe. And they, and it went from Gary to Joe saying, Hey Joe, I just want to let you know that I opened up a new bank account at Wells Fargo bank. The old bank account was at Wells Fargo. The cyber criminals opened up a new bank account and Joe actually believed that Gary was sending him an email. They put up forwarding rules and email filters. So whenever Gary would get an email from Joe, it would be deflected. And by the time you knew it, it was probably 12 days later that the money was went to the wrong account. And he was never able to recover the money. I mean, these are real things. These are happening every single day to people around the United States and around the world. And it's just, we have to raise the level of awareness. And, you know, Darren, you and I have been talking, I'm trying to build these courses for people, but I don't know if I need to get a flamethrower to make people take them because Mm -hmm. I've given my book to people. I've provided free training. I have a situation that I'm in listening to on the outside now where I had a company when I was an FBI agent and I told them they had to improve their hygiene. They had to improve their posture and they blew me off every single time. And from (laughs) what I hear right now, they're having a hard time. So that's where we have to start making the shift, Darren. And I just don't know the best way to do it. Well, you know, the problem is, I think, is that most people think this is what we hear. I mean, you're, 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 Truth number one, no one expects to be a victim. And chances are they not a lot of people know a lot of victims, or when they do hear about victims, they the first thing what do you think the first thing people think when they hear about their neighbor? So your neighbor got got lost seventy some thousand dollars. What do you think the another neighbor said when they if they heard about that? What would be their first thought? Well, one happened to me or Exactly. Right, exactly. I'm not stupid enough to fall for that. That's not gonna be my problem. Everybody's bulletproof until the bullet gets through. Yeah. And and one of the things that I'm working on now that you is I have a top 30 list of excuses why companies don't take cybersecurity seriously. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, this is a little different than like your sales guys, because the sales guys would have a reason of the top 30 reasons why people will not buy a product. This isn't about buying a product. These are reasons why people won't take it seriously. And a lot of times they confuse taking it seriously to spending a lot of money. I was just on the phone with someone last week uh, who works for a mid-sized company and they said, hey, my boss takes it really, really seriously. This is a medium-sized company and this guy had amazing tools all over the place. I mean, they were spending money. But when I started asking them these simple questions like, you know, what is it that you need to protect? There was a recent uh, article that we talked about with uh, U.S. Cellular. Just, you know, they had a big breach in 2015. They just had one now. It wasn't a breach, in my opinion. Someone got access to their CRM, their customer relationship management tool. That's another name for Salesforce, a database that contains all your customer information. That's outside of IT. That is in the hands of the sales organization. 
Uh, we see, you know, we see the social media accounts, we see the payroll accounts, we see the HR accounts, all these different finance accounts. We're seeing so much information out there that is going on outside of the world of IT that really needs to be protected. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, so while we were talking, I was I, I was looking for looking up something. I think on the the Tennessee lady you talked about. I came across this other article from USA Today from three days ago, four days ago. And the title here's the title of the article, and and so it says how scammers siphon thirty six billion dollars in fraudulent unemployment payments from the United States. So, and and we'll talk about government action to cybersecurity, or at least laugh at it a bit. But essentially, this in this particular article, they're, they're talking to a guy named Mayoma, who is an engineering student in, take a guess where? Yes, Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria, Nigeria exactly. <laughs> he estimates he made $50,000 since the beginning of the pandemic, scamming the unemployment benefits of U.S. citizens. And what he does is he compiles a list of real people. He then goes online and for $2 in cryptocurrency is able to get a database of hacked information to link the name to a birth date and social security number, and then use that information to file unemployment benefits. And it's not just wow. him, it's, it's other people who've done it, but it's because of all the COVID release stuff and the inability of the government to understand cybersecurity itself, they have no methodology to verify the veracity of these online requests. And so like, it said, within two weeks of the CARES Act's funding enriching weekly benefits, $600 million had been bled from the state system. This is in Maryland. So Maryland <laughs> lost $600 million of their CARES Act money, or 8% of what they were paid, just on fraud. So how is and the... You know how, and you know how important that money is yeah. to get into the hands of people who need it? Mm-hmm, exactly. Wow. I, I mean, and we can sit here and we can have these conversations and we can have these discussions and somebody's trying to build a better mousetrap to mm-hmm. solve these problems. But holistically, nobody's looking at the big picture of what needs to be done completely across the board to change the mindset of the organization. Well, really, I think people have to understand that, A, Technology is not going to save them. The government is not going to save them from cyber victims. Um, obviously, it can help, you know, maybe find somebody, maybe down the line if you get the right amount of information in place. But essentially, if you want to protect yourself online, it's going to be incumbent on you to take the make the effort to protect yourself and your family. Because, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but how many how many things are connected to your home network right now? Like if you went to your router, how many things are connected to your home network? 20 plus, 20 plus items. I don't think I have that many, but I'm still going to say probably about between printers and iPhones. And, you know, I, I don't have my house wired. I don't have a ring doorbell. I don't have a Honeywell. Right. I don't have that. Uh, I'm going to say on the low side, I have about 10 or 12 because I got a bunch of TVs. But let me ask you this. Do you all have iWatch, iWatches, Apple watches? No. Okay. No. Well, there you go. That, that reduces a lot. So, I mean, it's fine. It's just, it's just me. And, so you go ahead. So, so talk about, so like phone, but I, and, and the point I'm making on all this is we are creating these vulnerabilities on our networks that, I mean, you and I cannot right here say we, we, we talk this all the time. Neither one of us can say accurately how many things are connected to our network and are they all up to date? You know, what's the, what's the vulnerability of that? So if we aren't doing it correctly, what, you know, how's the, 
how's everybody else who doesn't spend any time dealing with this supposed to do it? So what's the, so we talked about paradigm shifting. We, we got to think about how to, people have to think about how do they shift that paradigm? What's the, what's the, what's the answer? Yeah. And, while you and, say, you know, while you, got, hold on, while you answer that, I'm going to go figure out how many things are connected to my network at this current time. <laughs> you know, I, I got one more rant to really go on here. I mean, I, I, I think this is very therapeutic. I want to do this more up, and I think we can do this for about six hours a day, Darren. <laughs> well, but, we already do it for four. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know. Only with you with four. We only record maybe an hour yeah, here and there. Exactly. I did, a, you, know, you know, this year, I just feel very, very grateful to be in a position that I am and I'm able to do what I love and make a great living doing what I love, getting hired by companies. So I said, I'm going to make it a point this year to provide free training to nonprofit organizations. So I find a nonprofit organization in my area that does amazing things. And I had tons and tons of victims who were nonprofits, who got destroyed. Because, you know, when corporate America gets hit with a $10 million ransomware payment, Mm -hmm. when a nonprofit gets hit with a $10,000 or a $20,000, that is their, um, that, that is their $60 million payout. Right. So I offer this free training to them. I know the IT guy. He's all happy because, you know, he's a one-man show. Company has 100 people there. They ask me to do two sessions. I don't mind at all. I am so super excited to do this because this is going to make me feel good. And all of a sudden, out of two sessions, a total of six people in total show up for my Free training. Six people showed up for free training, right? Well, and, 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 you know, and, and I even said that and he apologized. And if I said to him, I said, if I would have charged your boss, what I charge corporate America, which isn't cheap. I said, would this have been a voluntary training or would this have been mandatory? He goes, of course it would be mandatory. Uh And it just, hurts me in a sense because, you know, people who don't pay, don't pay attention. Yeah. Just think about right. that. Yep. And here I am trying to do the right thing, and I'm going to do it again, and I'll continue to do it because as we talked, if you can serve five people and I can help five people, I am going to help five people. But the fact remains that they put it out to email and a hundred people out of 100 people, 95 of them did not think it was important enough to show up because it was not a mandatory training. Yeah, That's where we fight an uphill battle. And unfortunately, yeah. we can only save, Darren, the people who want to be saved, which are your listeners. Right. Yes. So hopefully if you, so hope, so we mentioned Scott's book. I think I said it at the beginning, but it's the secret to cybersecurity. So if you don't, if you are a listener of this podcast and you would like a free digital version can I give away a free digital version to anybody who emails me for your book? Yes, you can. Okay. So email me at the end of this, uh, Darren at the cyberguy.com, and we will get you a EPUB or PDF or Moby copy of the secret to cybersecurity, whichever version you want and can figure out how to put on your system. Cause we kind of dealt with that a little bit today, but anyway, so here, let me circle back around to the network. So two people in my house, my wife and my, my wife and myself were the only ones who live here. And we have a, two dogs and a cat, which really aren't using any technology. But how many devices do you think I have currently have attached to my Wi-Fi network here? My Wi-Fi is on encrypted security, blah, blah, blah. But I have how many devices do you think are attached? 
So just for the two of you? Just the two of us. So just the two of us. And you can include the TVs and stuff we have. But how many devices do you think are hooked up to this network currently? Uh, I'm going to go on the higher than me because you're a lot more techie than I am. So I'm going to say you probably have at least 14 or 15. At least. I have 22. 22? 22 okay. items attached to my network. So if you are listening to this and you have three kids at your house, if you can go look at your router and see how many things are connected. I'll tell you an interesting story uh, on another. I mean, we're talking cybersecurity in general did not be stolen, but another big issue with cybersecurity is protecting your kids. So I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm not going to give his name because I'm sure he doesn't want attribution on this, but he was talking about, he doesn't allow his 15 year old daughter to have access to TikTok or some other social media, um, other social media services. So she can't have that on her cell phone. So he was looking at his network the other day, and he found there was a, something on his network called Elizabeth. He had no idea what that was. It didn't make any sense to what it was, and none of his kids' names are Elizabeth. So he goes up to his oldest daughter's bedroom, the 15-year-old, and she has a cell phone in there named Elizabeth that she got from a friend of hers. It was her friend's old cell phone that had TikTok and these other social media applications on it, and her, the daughter was using that phone to do TikTok and all these other things. So that's just another, you know, another secure error is how do you keep your kids safe in this world? Because they are always, they're going to find ways to get around whatever you, whatever you put in. So that's just another thing to think about going forward. And you need to find those resources that can help you be a better parent, understand, understand the threats, assess the risk and proceed wisely. Like I like to say all the time. And I would say it's starting at the youngest age to be able to do that with your kids. Because if you think you're going to start setting boundaries on your 15-year-old now, forget (laughs) about it, as we say in Brooklyn. It's not going to happen. It's having those discussions because your kids will find a way around anything that you set up. I hate to say it. So have those discussions with your children and do what you can. Keep them safe. I mean... You have to take steps. Yeah, well, you, it's not a hopeless battle here. There's a lot of stuff that you could do to educate yourself. And we'll use that as a teaser for a future podcast down the road talking about protecting kids. But let's kind of wrap up this whole paradigm pioneer conversation in that, you know, the gist of what we're trying to say, if we haven't made it clear enough, is that everyone needs to start thinking differently about how they address cybersecurity. Get away from it's not going to happen to me. Get away from technology is going to help me. Or get away from three, I can just go to law enforcement and they'll resolve my issues. Correct? Absolutely. It's nobody here is going to save you. As we used to say in law enforcement, we're not going to arrest our way out of the problem. You're not going to spend your way out of the problem. But there are steps that you can take that are outlined in my book, which Darren's going to provide digital copies, mm-hmm. that you can do it. Just keep yourself safe, empower yourself, and just realize that it is n- not getting better out there. But if all these cases that keep popping up are the same things that we've been dealing with for 20 years, take the steps and keep yourself safe. And do you want to give out your email address if people have questions or they want, you know, if like if you have stuff you want to send them for sure, to help give sure. them safe, what's your what's your email address? Uh it's Scott A at Truth T R U T H two T O Cybersecurity. 
And I will put that in the link in the information part of this podcast. You can access it quickly. But email either one of us if you have questions or if, if you're interested in the, in the digital copy of the book or, or just if you're looking to bring someone to talk to your group. To you, if, you, if you work in a business and, and you need someone to scare the crap out of the, your employees about what cybersecurity really is, Scott's the man to do it for you. Well, thank you, Darren. Once again, I, I do appreciate uh, you being my uh, therapy dog for this journey that I've <laughs> sure. been going on. Happy and, to help. Uh, appreciate mm-hmm. your friendship. And I think it's just so amazing how you're serving people with this podcast and getting that information out. And you have some great guests. Thank you, Scott. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, Darren. That'll do it for episode 23 of the Cyber Guy podcast. I appreciate you for listening. Please feel free to tell your friends to download this podcast at any of their favorite podcast providers, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so on and so forth. There, It's all there. If you like this podcast, feel free to give it a review on your favorite podcast provider. That helps me and helps the podcast. If you have questions about this podcast or future podcasts or things you'd like to hear, email me at darren at thecyberguy.com. If you have interest in the book that Scott and I mentioned in the interview, The Secrets to Cybersecurity, email me or email him directly, scotta at thetruthtocybersecurity.com. As always, as you go through your week, make sure that you understand the threats targeting you, assess your risk, and proceed wisely online. Thanks again for listening. Have a good week.